Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Happy New Year, everybody. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back with us. I hope you're okay. I hope this COVID Omicron isn't chasing you around your house and making your life miserable. There are projections, data suggests that it's not going to hang around much longer, but there are people who are questioning that. And yeah, it's a, it's a big issue. We have countries uh, approaching their uh, response to Omicron very differently. Canada, the UK, the US, just those three are doing it differently. We're going to start off with the president-elect of the Canadian Medical Association, Dr. Alika Lafontaine joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Let's talk some about uh, about uh, Omicron and where it stands and what it's doing. One of the really concerning, I mean, deeply, deeply concerning effects of this entire COVID experience is the numbers of surgeries that have been postponed or canceled, medical interventions that have not taken place because people either haven't gone to seek help because they've been concerned or the services haven't been there for them because COVID has taken so much of the healthcare um, uh, infrastructure. There's also a question, we'll do this a little later, but question about just how effective our healthcare infrastructure is and whether this entire experience is teaching us we better do things differently. Anyway, let's talk about it. Dr. Lafontaine, thank you for uh, joining us on the program and uh, best of luck to you and your upcoming presidency of the CMA. You've, you've picked a good year. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got me on that. (laughs) Would you explain to us, please, just exactly what Omicron is doing? We hear politicians, we just heard Premier Ford, a clip from him, Mm -hmm. saying it's spreading like wildfire. What exactly is it doing, and and how do you assess, how does the Canadian Medical Association assess the threat of Omicron versus Delta, for example? Yeah, absolutely, and I I think this is a really really important question for people to answer as we kind of go through this wave. Um, you know, I, I'm i reflecting on how I felt during the very first wave when this whole started, this whole thing started back in March of, of 2020 and just how afraid providers were when it came to this this new unknown um, disease that, that we didn't know a lot about and just a lot of the, the panic and to some degree the, the chaos that ensued as a result of you know, going going through the, the beginnings of this pandemic and, you know, the impacts of wave after wave. And I, I think it's important to understand that because this is, you know, uh, something that changes over time, uh, not only the virus, but also the people who go through this over and over again, that that, that has as much to do with Omicron as, as anything else. And so people got used to at the beginning of the pandemic to really look towards vaccines as, you know, this uh, this game changer you know, the thing that would end everything and kind of return us back to life as normal. And over time, the virus has changed where the way that interacts with the vaccines uh, has shifted as well. And that's a natural thing that happens with viruses, especially viruses that replicate as as fast and spread as much as as something like COVID. And so the, the difference between Omicron and what's happened in the past is, number one, we know a lot more about how COVID operates. Number two, with the Delta wave, the impact on the severity of disease within patients um, is less. We, we do know that with Delta, you know, hospitalizations and transfers into intensive care were very, very high. We're seeing promising things out of South Africa and London. You know, the rest of Europe still has to be hit by this. Um, places like Denmark, et cetera, that 
show that the the rates of hospitalization may still rise, but that may not necessarily translate into ICU admissions. But the big game changer, I think, when you compare Omicron versus these these other variants than you know the wild type that that happened in the past is that it, it just spreads much much faster. Mm-hmm. And so before we were dealing with you know one percent of a hundred, which is one. You look at one percent of fourteen million. You know the population of Ontario. That's one hundred forty thousand. Yeah. And so the the scale of this is getting bigger, although the impacts hopefully will not be as severe as with Delta. So does this suggest that we could be reaching uh, endemic reality with uh, COVID? Because if, if Omicron or Omicron is not um, as severe as Delta, but it's spreading more rapidly, it's not doing as much damage. And uh, it could be, according to something, some things I've read, some reports I've read, signal, we hope, um, if not a conclusion, then a transference of COVID to becoming endemic. Yes or no? Uh, every virus eventually becomes endemic. But I, I think the real turning point in when it becomes endemic is the ability of society to manage its impacts. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily how severe the virus is. You know, Ebola is endemic until it's not. Yeah, and true. so in the same way with, with Omicron, we can see that you know a slight increase of hundreds of patients within our hospital system brings our hospitals to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think we'll reach that endemic phase until the health system has found a way to manage the impacts. Now, are, are we looking at less people getting, getting sick and hopefully, uh, you know, becoming impaired or, or dying from this? I really hope that, that that is where the data leads us. But once again, the, the scale is different and our health systems are still getting overwhelmed. So we, we have a bit of time before we get to the endemic phase, but it does look promising. Okay. So let's talk about the healthcare system and the challenges it is facing as a system and the human beings within the healthcare system, doctors, nurses, uh, first responders. We have huge numbers of missed surgeries and ranges of procedures that just haven't been uh, carried out. People haven't gone even to be investigated because they're concerned. How do you, how do we, how do we deal with this? How do we deal with hundreds of thousands of surgeries missed, cancer patients not getting the surgeries they require? I don't want to be uh, over over the top here, but it is a, a massive concern. How does the CMA see this? You know, I, I practice uh, as an anesthesiologist, and so I, I work in the OR have for more than a decade, and. I, I'm kind of in a, a front seat as far as the impacts that this is having on, you know, colleagues and uh, surgeons and, and other folks across the country in the healthcare system. You know, we, we sometimes forget that healthcare resources are a zero-sum game. It really comes down to balance of demand and supply. If demand rises in one part of the health system, supply needs to come from another part. And over the last couple of decades, we've really tried to keep demand and supply as close to each other as possible in order to decrease costs. And I think as a result, with this wave of the pandemic and increased hospitalization, we are having to pool resources from one place to another. And as a result, we have canceled tens of thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of surgeries across the country. Um, One of the things that I think it's, it's really illustrated is that our health system is designed to deal with acute issues. So this is one reason why unvaccinated patients or patients who are vaccinated who've come down with COVID and, and need that additional support have not been denied care because the hospital system is designed around that. Now, as a result, some of these things that are not as acute, but are just as important, you know, someone who has chest pain 
if they walk up two flights of stairs, but when they're sitting still, they don't have chest pain. You know, stable angina. Those types of cases don't end up coming for cardiac surgery. They don't end up coming for having their arteries, um, you know, cleared up using angioplasty or, or some of the other treatments that, that happen for a host of other patients. And yeah. I, I think that this is a part that we're really struggling to understand right now. And we, we have two choices, I think, from a public policy point of view. We can either invest more to increase supply, or we can help the public behave differently to decrease demand. Okay. And these are really the only two options available to governments right now. Okay, I have one more question for you. The federal minister of health said yesterday that he believes the time is going to come. May not be now, but the time is coming when the provinces will have to decide to declare vaccine mandates. How do you feel about that? You know, I think it's important to differentiate what politicians say from what providers say. You know, um, one of the things that is core to the way that we provide health care is to ensure as much choice as possible for the patients that we engage with. It comes from, you know, deciding what types of treatments to provide to the information that you receive so you can make, you know, fully informed decisions. And like I said before, politicians are in a very tough spot where they are realizing that the resources that have been deployed over the past couple of years really have a very small set of answers to solve. And so the CMA has come out talking about you know, mandated vaccinations for healthcare workers. Uh, we stand firmly behind that. Uh, I believe that as a healthcare worker, we have an obligation to minimize the risk exposure for any patient that comes into our care. Uh, we've talked about, you know, mandating vaccination for other, you know, workers who are providing, you know, care within areas that uh, may have vulnerable populations or persons who, you know, are, are unvaccinated as as a way of kind of mitigating those impacts. But politicians are now stuck in a very tough spot. And if it does progress to mandated vaccinations, I, I think it's important for people to really frame in their minds that this comes down to the zero-sum game of healthcare resources. You know, and uh, I'll leave that, that decision to politicians. And as I've done through this whole pandemic, uh, I'll comply with recommendations of, you know, public health and, you know, the, the direction that our politicians are going to take us. And, you know, we'll, we'll advocate for patients at, at all times. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.